The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. First of all, I got to tell you, I'm happy. I'm encouraged that the slam dunk contest is going to be at halftime of the All-Star Game. Going forward, and I was talking during our pregame conference, JP and Snake and I, I'm just telling you, I can see this to be a good thing going forward. First of all, when you look at the type of dunks and the creativity or lack thereof overall, and obviously there's been exceptions, right? But when you look at the overall lack of creativity of some of these dunks and not picking him out, not singling him out, not not dogging him out, not disrespecting him, he is a slam dunk champion. But, I mean, how many attempts did Nate Robinson get? What is it, like 13, 14 attempts total on different dunks? We're there all night. Give me halftime. Give me the dunk contest. And I get NBA Saturday night. I get all that. We've got the we've got the legends. We've got the first-year, second-year players. We've got the skills contest. We've got slam dunk. we got all-star Saturday night. I get it. But until we get a little better continuity and a little better imagination with these slam dunks, I'm good with halftime. So I'm looking forward to this halftime. Obviously, Obi Toppin's part of it, so I'm excited about that as a Nick fan. I'm just curious to see what kind of dunks we're going to see tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, I'm looking forward to the All-Star game. Now, the All-Star game has changed. (laughs) It used to be, well, you might see. Here's what it used to be. Guys are going to play. Guys are going to play. They're going to have fun. And then in the fourth quarter, it starts to get serious. Then in the fourth quarter, we're going to start to, we're going to lock down some defense. That's what we're going to do. We're going to lock it down. No, 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 no. I mean, there's a good chance that there could be 200 points (laughs) scored in the All-Star game. Because nobody's playing defense. That's not what this is about. That's not what they're doing. It's not the East against the West. It's Team LeBron against Team Durant. And by the way, there's a couple of players who will not be in the game tonight. I'm sure you heard Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons ruled out of tonight's game due to contact tracing. The two had contact with a barber who has since tested positive for the corona. This is according to our guy Woj. Because each all-star participant had arrived separately to Atlanta via private plane and has been on quarantine. No other players have been in contact with Embiid or Simmons. Pelican star Zion Williamson will start in place of Embiid for Team Durant. What is up with barbers? Okay. A barber wiped out Kansas City. <laughs> there was concerns before the Super Bowl. And look, I got it. This is the All-Star game. You got to be lined up. Got to have the lines got to be pristine. Okay, this is showcase action. You can't be going out there nappy. That's, that's not what, that's inexcusable. That's, that's not what we're doing. You got to be pristine. Lines got to be, it's got to be tight. Got to look good. So to all barbers, and what's funny, more so you don't see them in the NBA and in the NFL, but you see them in baseball a lot, right? When I covered the Yankees and Mets, you on a Sunday, early Sunday, or maybe a, a Saturday, like before a Saturday afternoon game, you might see the guys getting trimmed in the clubhouse. You might see it. 
I've seen it on numerous occasions. Guys coming to get in there lined up, you know, getting everything typed up and everything. I've seen it. Usually coming back from a long road trip, you might see that. Sometimes it's going on a road trip. If it's a long road trip, you'll see the guys in there uh, because they have time waiting for the bus to take them to the airport where they're going. So you might see on getaway day, you might see a situation like that. So listen, barbers, if you're within the sound of my voice, uh, you know, make sure you're, you're, you're right because you're putting your guys in jeopardy. Which is another interesting comment. It came from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Now, Adam Silver, all commissioners give like a state of the union, usually, around all-star time or end of the season or near championship week. Well, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said most players will get COVID-19 vaccine, but he's not requiring them to do so. Quoting Silver, we're seeing this now both in the actual numbers of people getting vaccinated in the U.S. and opinion polls that people are becoming more willing to be to get vaccinated, end of quote. And this was a, a sense that there were a number of players who were resistant in saying that they were going to go out and get the, the vaccine to encourage us to go get the vaccine. So there was some, you know, there was a little lack of, cons- they weren't really gun-ho shall we say, about the vaccine yet. Everybody does different things. You got now the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is a single shot. You got a couple of the other ones, which is a dual shot. So they just wanted to get some more information. But I think going forward, they will be more amenable to getting the vaccine as more information comes about. And let's face it, they are no different than us non-athletes, right? Because we're wondering what we're doing with the vaccine as well. We're wondering what situations we're going to have. We're wondering... Is it really going to work? So we're waiting to see what's going on. As far as the All-Star game tonight, obviously I mentioned Obi Toppin in the slam dunk, but the real interesting and the real positive story, if you're a Knicks fan, is the fact that Julius Randle made the All-Star squad. Julius Randle may have made one of the biggest transformations of his game of a number, of anyone I can think of off the top of my head that wasn't involved in the injury situation. Okay. That's not involved in the injury. This was a guy who just like, he just transformed his game. He became a different person. And what he's been, now look, there's, there's still some things that he needs to work on. There's still some tendencies that he has of dribbling too close to the sideline, giving them another opportunity to be a defender and getting caught over there and, throwing cross-court passes, but for the most part, he's been a really bright light for this Nick team. He is the reason, along with Tom Thibodeau, that this team is one game over the All-Star, one, one game over the 500 mark at the All-Star break. And he's been consistent. And that's the one thing you'll say about him. Even though the numbers, it's funny, the numbers are pretty much the same. He's doing double-double. I mean, maybe last year he might have been a rebound or rebound and a half shy of a double-double. But it's his leadership. It's things you're seeing from him with working with the younger players. It's him understanding that this is his team. Like, he's the go-to guy on this team. And he prepared himself mentally, 
more so, and obviously physically we talk about him. He came in underweight. He came in where he had lost weight and he was prepared because he knew what Tom Thibodeau, his reputation was. You're going to play a lot of minutes. <laughs> no doubt about it. He plays guys a lot of minutes. Tom Thibodeau has a short bench during the regular season. Like most, most coaches shorten their bench in the postseason. No, 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 no. Thibodeau shortens his, coat, his bench in the regular season. And so mentally, you have to be prepared for that. Mentally, you have to know going in, okay, I'm going to be playing 35 to 40 minutes a night. And I have to be mentally prepared to handle that. And that's what he's done. So on his All-Star media session, he was asked, what does it mean to be an All-Star? Uh, it means a lot. Uh, you know, it means uh, a lot for sure. Uh, just as far as an accomplishment in my career. Um you know, being able to get this done, being able to be on the team, uh, you know, people to help me get this done. So it means a lot. Uh, really excited just about being here and, and sharing this time with my family. And speaking of your family, Julius, what does it mean sharing this moment with your son? Uh, I don't know if he understands it fully. Uh, he definitely has a good idea of uh, of everything that's going on. Um, but he's, he's enjoying it. Uh, he definitely knows it's something – you know, that's not normal. Uh, you know, that's cool. So uh, he's definitely, you know, uh, loving loving that as he's crying right now. I don't know why he's crying, but uh, he's definitely loving that. Um, you know, walking around saying he's an all-star kid, this, that, and the next. So <laughs> he's uh, he's enjoying it. Right. So often, and, and I talk about this a lot, I know many of you have heard me say it, we look at these athletes as athletes. We look at them as players. We look at them as uh, chosen people who make a lot of money just to play a game. But they are they do have family. They are heads of family in a lot of cases. And when you hear them being athletes talk about their family, it's it's different, right? It's uh, it reaches it ta- it gives you a different perspective of them. And being able, having had the pleasure of being able to do that over the years, being blessed with the career that I've had, it's always fun to hear athletes talk about their family members, talk about their kids and whatnot. And uh, just to hear him, the pride in Julius Randle talking about how his son saying he's an all-star kid and just smiling, it's, it's, it's nice to hear. Julius also weighed in on the changes he's made to his game. Uh, well, I knew last year uh, just the experiences that I had uh, as far as, you know, how defenses were collapsing and guarding me. Um, I knew it was a couple things that I had to work on, but one of them for sure was, you know, uh, making an easy play and making my teammates better. Um, so I, I definitely had a, a change in mindset when it came to that. Uh, but also I, w- I would say that Tibbs has done a, a great job of putting me in positions to, uh, you know, where I'm comfortable, where I can operate, whether it's scoring or playmaking. And, uh, also, you know, putting my teammates uh, in positions. My teammates are doing a great job of putting themselves in positions when, you know, whenever I get double teamed or trapped, uh, I always know where my outlets are. Uh, I always know where I can find them on the court. Uh, so they, they honestly make the game easy for me and make make the reads on the court easy for me. And that's something that you can't imagine. Somebody else didn't tell him this. <laughs> I mean, like, you mean to tell me there was no other coach that said to him, hey, listen, you know what? Uh, you need to give the ball up earlier. And look, there's times that you still, and that's why the Knicks really need a point guard. And while they've been successful at 19 and 18, and they've played well, and we're going to really find out about this club coming out of the All-Star break because their schedule gets substantially tougher. 
But if you had a really, really good point guard, then Julius Randle would not have to dribble as much as he does. But I will say this. He is doing a better job, for the most part, in getting rid of the basketball quicker, trying to get other people involved, which does what? It makes his life easier. Okay, there's no question. that That's what makes his life easier because he's not facing the double team. And then when the double team comes, because of the way Thibodeau has gotten this offense, he knows where people are going to be as opposed to people just standing and looking. All right? They move. They know there's certain spots where they know they're supposed to come. When they see that double team, they have to release. So you, you like what they've done, and you like the things that Julius Randle has done to his game to make some adjustments so that – they're playing better. Now, the other side of that is the fact that you've had guys like Emmanuel Quickly be able to hit some shots. That makes the defense have to honor them. Uh, Burks has hit some shots. Uh, there's been a number of guys who have been able to give you something. Derek Rose, obviously, since he's been there. Peyton, uh, before he got hurt, and going to the basket. Uh, so what that does is it means that I have to defend somebody other than Julius Randle. I can't always double-team Julius Randle and get the ball out of his hands, okay? I have to, you know, defend other people. So that's going to be the interesting thing to see what the Knicks will do going forward and if indeed they decide to make a move, a minor move, right, just to find another shooter on this team so that, you know, Julius Randle can roam even more freer than what he's done in the past. So let's talk to you on the phone. Spike is in Jersey. Spike, you're batting leadoff. How you doing, my friend? Hey, oh, Sunday, the sun's shining, and my friend Larry Hardesty makes the sun even brighter. Great to hear you. Uh, you know, Spike. I was just thinking, uh, Bob Slade would have been mm. gone two years it's coming up on, right? That's amazing, yeah. That's right. I know, I know. Wow. I've cleaned out old stuff, and hmm. and uh, I found something from, uh, the, I guess, the early 80s. It started over there. Anyway, I, that's a personal thing with me. <laughs> just mm-hmm. a great guy. Everybody you. over there was great, and except the sports guy. Um, you ready? <laughs> I, yes. I, I went through the half-season, Knicks half-season okay. report. Wow. Okay. Let me give it to you now. For, this is one beaver to the other, meaning CCNY graduates. Gotcha. So... So I'm, I'm figuring them they'll be one or two under the end of the year and get the eighth seed based on the schedule. Uh, but you never know. They could go in and beat Milwaukee. We've seen stuff like that before. I'm really, really happy. And, and, a, and a friend of mine said, I don't want to see a one in front of the win total anymore. I don't want to see a two in front of the win total. Who may that be? Uh, that would be me. I'm raising gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I think we'll get to the three. I think we'll get to the threes. I think 35 and 37 will be an eighth seed. Uh, I think it's going to be fascinating with the new format. And I couldn't be happier as a Knicks fan. Uh, one minor correction uh, in what you said. We don't need another shooter. We need another shot maker. Okay. Because yeah. we've yeah. got plenty of shooters. <laughs> you know, I look, I look, I look at the stats and I see Bobby Portis is like fifty percent from three. You know, it's limited what he does. Listen, this has been a great year, and I give all the credit like everybody else does. I just, you know, bleed orange and blue like you do, and 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 when I see Leon uh, Rose and Wesley, William Wesley, and and uh, I guess uh, uh, what's the GM's man? Uh, the guy, guy came from. Uh, yeah, Scott Perry, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Scott Perry. And uh, 
They don't touch it if it's not broken, or as Carl Banks says, don't break it if it's not broken. <laughs> and and I go I go with that because it, look, if you give me a kid that can a young man that can can shoot a high, make a high percentage of threes, you know, fifty from the corners and thirty eight from straight on and the elbow. I'll take it if it doesn't cost me much. Hold on mm-hmm. to the assets. Yes, I, I'm I'm still out with RJ. He's improving, but he's got to start going right once in a while, Larry. Because be nice. you know, Walt Frazier says, you know, Walt Frazier says, if he's left-handed, I'm giving him the right side. So, but That's I'm right. happy. Uh, I think Nerlens Knowles in a little way is really uh, brought into Thibodeau. You can see it. And uh, the team looks good, you know. Quickly's inefficiencies on defense is natural. His, his hot and cold shooting and taking bad shots. He's a rookie, you know. Yep. Uh, yep. Or rookie is what he would call. Yeah. So, so listen, Julius Randle, the big change came in the game. My friend keeps telling me, my, uh, my CCNY friend, he says he didn't remember the game. It's 23 or 24. They moved Randle up. I know you noticed it because we talked about it at night. They moved him away from the baseline. Yes. They, they purposely moved him up from the baseline uh, so he doesn't get trapped and the results, the double, the assists come. But I'm really proud of things like improved free throw shooting because you and I and many others who are listening, I couldn't stand it when they missed the free throws. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stand Easy it. Points. So, Easy points. Yeah, yeah, free points. And, uh, you know, Mitchell comes back. We'll see. Uh, uh, he develops a little move in the offseason, hopefully. He's probably the only big in, in the league that doesn't have something, you know, oh, no. really. So so I think I'll take an eight seed, and I'll be really happy. I said this. I was talking to Jake when he picked up on, to Dave yesterday on his show. Just give me one, one win. I'll t- I want more. I'll take one. Sure. Make the playoffs. Give me one win. I don't care where it comes. If it's a you know elimination game or eight ten or however that works, and give me a minimum of one win, and then we'll see where we go. Would you take that? Give me yes, I would, Spike. And thanks for the phone call, my friend. Always good hearing from you. I, I would take one win, and I'm in every game, but I just don't have the talent to match with the guys that the team that I'm facing, because I'm an eight seed and I'm facing a one. <laughs> But I'm in every game. I'm in. There. I'm not being blown out. I, I don't look like I don't belong. I'm in every game, and I get away, and I steal one. I'm good with that. Absolutely, I'm good with that. And you mentioned Bobby Portis. Here's the thing. You know why Bobby Portis has got a 50% shooting from three? Because they're, they're clogging the lane for Giannis. There's three people in the lane. Bobby Portis has got an open three. And he's probably shooting it from the corner, which is the shortest spot. That's what happens when you have a premier player that draws the attention. And while Julius Randle is not Giannis, but he is the next premier player. And that's why you have to add and grow and get better players around him. Okay? And that's how you improve. Let's go back to you on the phones. Jay is in Newburgh. What's up, Jay? You're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, Larry? How are you, Jay? Uh, good, good, good. Enjoying enjoy this weather, man, finally. It's outstanding. I, I couldn't deal with the cold anymore. Couldn't deal with the cold, couldn't deal with the snow. Had enough of it. Yeah, I'm done. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, uh, my uh, little suggestion for the Knicks, hopefully to improve, is that we should uh, – well, we, we definitely know we need, a, we need another uh, good scorer and player. So my 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 two cents worth is uh, we should try to get Buddy Heal from Sacramento, 
because I, I guess he's having, having some issues. I've read a couple of articles as far as he having some issues with management. Now that the kid is there, uh, Halliburton, his name is, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's kind of causing some type of uh, not not causing anything, but I guess he's kind of uh, may, maybe they're moving towards him as far as being the centerpiece of that franchise. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, on our end, I'm, 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 I'm guessing. I'm guessing that Knox, uh, you know, probably Knox and maybe a number one, you know, might be able to do it. What do you think? You think that's enough, or or it's not enough? Um, Jay, let me think about that for a second. Uh, here's the issue I have with it. And thanks for the phone call, my friend. Enjoy the great weather on this Sunday. Here's the issue I have with it, Jay. I'm not ready to give up a number one pick. Okay, I'm really not. Now, and would I be convinced with giving up a second rounder? Yes. And do I understand that as the team gets better, the first round pick is not going to be that great because they won't be, you know, in the lottery situation of a team that's not making the playoffs. At least I hope this year they won't be. I'm hoping this year that they find a way to get into the postseason. So I'm not, I don't want to give up my first round pick. I really don't. Second rounder, I'll be more amenable to. The other thing with Buddy Heal and, um, you know, you and John from Freehold are really pushing Buddy right now. And I understand the situation in Sacramento. I've been hearing the same things that you've been reading. It's that he's becoming the odd man out there uh, because Halliburton has played well for them. He really has. And remember, there was some talk that the Knicks were going to draft Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, but they went with a bigger front court player in Obi Toppin, so we'll see how that turns out eventually. But Buddy, he, I, he is a he is a good scorer. Um, I wish he shot better from three. I thought he shot he had a higher percentage last season than he did so far this season. Maybe that's in response to what's happening. But also, he the issue with him is. Listen, he's going to be sitting on the bench here, too. His defense is not the greatest. I mean, I had a chance to watch him against the Knicks and the Nets because they played them like back-to-back or maybe a game apart or a week apart or something like that recently. And, you know, that's why Knox is sitting <laughs> because his defense is not great. And if Buddy Heels going to play, Buddy Heels got to tighten up that defense, and, and that's the way it comes here. This is a Nick team. And it's funny because as I, I think Gordon and I talked about this during the week on ESPN New York Tonight. This is a Nick team, and, and you're starting to see these teams locally have an identity again, right? And this Nick team's identity is defense. So this is a defense-first Nick team, a defense-first Nick team. Yes, they want to score. Of course they do. They realize that defense is great, and if you don't score, you're still going to lose. <laughs> But the identity for Thibodeau is defense. That's why you keep hearing his name, Obi, <laughs> when you t- <laughs> on all the Nick games. Obi, Obi, Obi. Thibodeau yelling at him. Julius, Julius. Yeah, that's him. So, Buddy's got to do some work offensive, uh, defensively, if he wants to get on this team. That's going to be the big thing. Okay, that's going to be the issue here. Julius Randall, as we mentioned earlier, is. Um, has spoke out to the media yesterday as part of his all-star duties. And he was asked about Simmons and Embiid missing tonight's all-star game because of COVID concerns. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be fine. Um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen or, or what, what the case may be. So um, 
I'm sure, you know, uh, the NBA will come up with something. Uh, very unfortunate uh, for Ben. And, you know, I know Joel personally really well. So, unfortunate uh, for them. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of the world that we're in right now and, and everything that's going on. And we just got to adjust on the fly. That's right. That's Julius Randle. By the way, that was earlier today in his uh, media obligations for the All-Star game. And then he was asked, do the Knicks get enough credit? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't really focus on on that. Um, I don't really, you know, focus on, you know, who, who gets credit or who doesn't. Uh, I just try to go out and do my job every day, uh, do it to the best of my ability and, and let the chips fall where they may. Um, you know, for our, our – our season, we've, we've done a great job of doing what we needed to do, um, you know, so far to put us in the position that we're in. So we just got to keep building and, you know, the credit will come, um, you know, as we keep winning games. Yeah, he's right about that. And, and listen, uh, whether the Knicks get credit or not, they it doesn't matter. What they have to do is to continue to play. Okay, for fans, we may say, all right, how come they're not getting – the shine that they should, right? How come people aren't talking more about them? But to be honest, more and more people are talking about them. You listen to our analysts. And they talk about how the team is starting to have a different identity now. People are starting to, what they're doing is being noticed. I think Jeff Van Gundy pointed out and he made a great statement on the Michael K show this week where he said that the Knicks now are a great story. So now the the next thing comes out is okay how good is this story going to be and what and how how does it turn out the fact that ESPN is putting the Knicks on four more games in the second half of the season than they were scheduled for because they weren't scheduled for any <laughs> so you're going to see the Knicks four times more than you were scheduled to on ESPN beginning with a Monday March fifteenth when they are in Brooklyn to face the Nets all right so. Which, which reminds, let's look at that schedule quickly for the for the rest of the month of March, okay? So coming out on Thursday, when they resume, they'll be at Milwaukee. This is an interesting road trip for them. At Milwaukee on Thursday, at Oklahoma City on Saturday, at Brooklyn on Monday, kind of a home game, and at Philadelphia on Tuesday. So Brooklyn and Philly back-to-back games against arguably, so the Knicks are going to face three of the top teams in the East after the All-Star break. That will give us an idea where they are. Okay, we'll find out where they are quickly. All right, then the next set of games, that's that four games. Then the next set of games, home for Orlando, home for Philly, and back-to-back Washington, Tuesday and Thursday, March 23rd and 25th. Okay, so that's a nice set there. So that's a little easier. Orlando's a tough team; can go either way. You're never you're never sure about them. They're you know one of those. They're one of the teams you have to beat out to make the postseason. Okay, Philly is Philly. Washington, once again, you know they've been struggling, but Bradley Beal's got them on a roll, so they've been playing better of late. So that's that set of four games. Then the next set of four games that takes you into April. Saturday the 27th, they're back at Milwaukee. Monday the 29th, home for Miami. The 31st, they're at Minnesota. And on April 2nd, they are home for the Dallas Mavericks. And Christoph Porzingis will be back at the Garden. 
So this month, the rest of this month is really going to tell us a lot about this team. And clearly it will tell us a lot the first four games where you're facing three of the best in the Eastern Conference. Three of the best. Where you've got Milwaukee, Philly, and Brooklyn. It's going to tell us a lot. And then as we fast forward to the end of the season, here's what May looks like. May 2nd, ready? At Houston, at Memphis, at Denver, at Phoenix, at the Clippers, at the Lakers. Wow. At Houston, at Memphis, back-to-back, May 2nd and 3rd. At Denver, May 5th. At Phoenix, May 7th. At the Clippers, May 9th. At the Lakers, May 11th. And then the final three games are Spurs, Hornets, and Celtics. So, so enjoy the first half. <laughs> enjoy this first half because the schedule gets turned major. It increases substantially. And that's where this team has got to find the grit where their defense is going to be tested, but more so their offense is going to be tested, right? Because the more great players you play against, the tougher it is for you to carry out your defensive game plan and your defensive scheme. It's the toughest way to do it. It's tough. I mean, look at Brooklyn alone. And I don't know whether Durant's going to be back by then. Not sure, but I mean, I, he's not playing tonight. But I mean, what? Kyrie, Harden, the, the big three. Philly has been phenomenal. Milwaukee is still Milwaukee, even though they've struggled a little bit. It's going to be interesting. The NFL draft and all the quarterback talk that you've been hearing, and, and it's, it's so funny. It, it, it really is so funny and it's so interesting to hear this conversation. And it's been about a lot about Sam Darnold, of course. And the reason it's been about Sam Darnold is because of the situation the Jets are in. And we've been talking about it over and over and over. And I know for the Jet fan, you're just like, can the draft get here already so we know what we're doing? Can free agency get here already so we know what we're doing? Here's, here's the positive to this, okay? Here's the positive to this. And we'll hear from Jeremy Fowler, who was on Darian Mel in a couple of minutes. Here's the positive to this. The positive is that you've got... You're in the position right now where you have options. And it's it's a spot that, you know, we're just talking about the Knicks. The Knicks have been in this spot, is new in this spot too, where they've got young players who are performing, all right? They've got cap space, and they have draft choices. So this is a Knicks franchise that has options. And so for Knicks fans, you're really happy. All right, for Jet fans, this is a new situation for you too because you've got draft capital, right? You've got a lot of draft choices over the next couple of years. Okay, so you've got draft choices. You've also got the fact that because of a subpar season, because of a poorly coached team, because of lack of talent, 
because of a number of things that went wrong this season, you've got the number two pick. And most Jet fans are pretty upset because they wanted the number one pick <laughs> because they were winless for most of the year. And so they're like, you know, listen, we were winless, man. We, we, this is what we want. We, we, we don't want to mess this up. We wanted Trevor Lawrence. Well, it got messed up. And you won some games. All right, so, you got, so now you're number two. So you finally, you're finally in a position where you've got the second pick in the draft, which gives you an option to either take a quarterback at number two or trade down. You have a third-year quarterback going into his fourth year that under normal circumstances, because of his age at the age of 23, because of circumstances, you really haven't seen the best of what he can do for various reasons. A, for coaching, B, for talent, and C, for unavailability because he's had injury issues. And so you're locked into going by what you've seen. And you've seen some things that are really, you know, like, hey, you know, he could really be good. You know, I think he could be good. And then you'll see a string of games where he just reverts back. And you just, what you do is you rub your head. (laughs) You're rubbing your head. You're just like, oh, God, what am I going to do with this guy? What am I going to do? So, and, and what's more interesting about Sam Darnold is he is, he is one of the most polarizing athletes as far as what people see. I could put 100 people in a room, 100 analysts at ESPN, 100. 50 of them will tell me, you know what, this kid's going to be great. This kid's good. He's, you can't go by what you're seeing from him. This, that, and the other thing. He's got a lot of potential. He could still, he could still get that. I would not draft a quarterback. And then you got another 50 who are like, I'm done. Move on. Let's move on. You know, and I'm talking just about talent, right? I'm not talking about the fact that you're going into the fourth year and you have to make a decision for the fifth year and, you know, $25 million, Really, if he's the quarterback, that might be a bargain considering what you know, quarterbacks are going for these days, right? But are you sure that's good? Even if he has a great fourth year, is that really Sam Darnold or is he going to revert back? So I'm not even talking about the money and the situation about what you have to do with him. I'm just talking about looking at him play football. And that's what that is what's going on and continues to go on. And then we dangle this Deshaun Watson name in the out there as well. So it's really it's it's really the reason why we continue to talk about this. Right? It's the reason because the Jets are in a position where they can control their own destiny. And it's really rare that you're in this spot. You've got draft choices. You've got the second pick in the draft, which means if you decide to keep Darnold, you can trade down and get even more draft picks because we understand that this is not a one or two player fix for this team. You need a lot of things. So it's, it's a fascinating situation and a fascinating time to figure out just to sit back and wonder what, what are the Jets going to do? What will they do? Ira's in Staten Island. Hey, Ira, you're next on 98.7. Hey, hey, what's happening, Larry? How are you? I'm doing great. Ira, what's happening, my friend? All good, all good. So, you know, it, it is amazing. And, you know, I, I can't wait till this is over because it's getting, <laughs> it's getting old already with this stuff, but at least it keeps you busy. But how many pre-COVID, how many times 
if I bumped into you at practice at training camp, mm-hmm. did we discuss Jet quarterbacks? I mean, it seems like endlessly. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, after three years, like you said, whatever the circumstances might be, um, a new coach, it's time. You, you don't want to have the number two pick too often. It's time to pick a quarterback if you believe in any of these kids. I, I just think bringing him back, it's just, I, I just don't see it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think he, like Sanchez said, I think he needs a fresh start somewhere else. I think the Jets need a fresh start. But they're in a good position. Like you said, with the cap, with the amount of picks they have, the, the worst-case scenario, if they were to keep Sam, so Douglas, let's say he hits it in the draft and he hits it in free agency. So they build a team around Sam and this and that. And let's say, let's say he plays average at best and they finish 6-10. and 10 then where are you going to be in a draft next year? You're going to be in somewhere between 10 and 15 with one or two quarterbacks supposedly coming out that are halfway decent. It's not a good quarterback draft. So if you happen to fall in love with one of these guys, because you know you have to draft a quarterback next year, so now what are you going to do? You're going to have to give away draft capital to move into the top five to draft a quarterback. So when you have the number two now, if your grades were about equal, or you feel the ceiling may be higher on any of these kids, whether it's Fields or Wilson or Jones, you draft them a two. And that's a decision the Jets should do, especially with a new head coach. Yeah. And I think they're leaning that way, Ira. I just do, just just gut feeling. I mean, I haven't spoken to anybody that's going to tell me anything. <laughs> which which no, is the other thing that. I give which is the other thing I give the Jets credit for. You know, stuff has leaked before. Nothing's leaking out of out of a one Jets way in, in Florham Park this year. There's not a peep going on. You don't have no clue what they're, what they're thinking. No, and I give them a lot of credit. I give Joe Douglas. He's keeping it close to the vest. You know, the doors are locked there. Nobody knows. And, and, and that's, that's a really good thing. And, and he's in a great position because mm-hmm. he's going to keep teams wondering. But the thing that scares me about this is that what happens if they do want to trade Sam? And let's say there's no teams. You know, all of a sudden, Russell Wilson ends up somewhere, and Watson goes somewhere, and maybe Kyler Murray goes somewhere. And, and, and then all of a sudden, well, do I really want to trade a third-round pick for Donald to be my backup? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would really be an unhealthy situation, bringing Donald back and drafting a quarterback at number two. I, I think that would, that would not go over well. It's a, you know, Ira, it's a great point, and thanks for the phone call, my friend. It's always good talking to you. It's... It's it's the same thing that we're talking about the Jets when we talk about the situation with uh, Deshaun Watson. Like, you can't rely on that. You can't wait to see what's going on with that. Like, you have to make your move despite that. Like, Deshaun Watson is just, okay, if, if he becomes available, that's that's we'll deal with it then. If he becomes available, here's our here's what we're offering. So we already know what that is, okay? This is what we're offering if he becomes available. And we'll make phone calls if we have to. I'm not, not saying they did or didn't. But I'm saying any good GM is making phone calls about Deshaun Watson, even if they're not returning the phone calls that we've heard on numerous occasions from the Texans. And eventually they will pick up the phone because eventually they will have to make a decision because if they they will want to see what the draft capital is going to be if indeed they decide to move him. But they don't have to do that right away because the draft is a couple of weeks away. All right? And so the same thing with, with the Jets, right? They have to make a decision to say, all right, when is going to be our time that we 
say, okay, we got to move Darnold. This is going to be our best offer. Because as Ivor said, you know, as quarterbacks find places, teams are not willing to make that move, right? I mean, for example, many of you were saying, listen, he could go to Pittsburgh. Well, now they're bringing Roethlisberger back in four years. He's not going to Pittsburgh now. They'll stick. They got Ben. They'll stick with uh, Rudolph, you know, as the backup. Okay? That's what they'll do. So cross Pittsburgh off the list. Right? So now there's a number of – so now you have to, once again, reevaluate your position and figure out what's happening, where you're going, and what's going to be the deal for that player. Because with him being rumored to have been traded all season, all off season, all last year. I mean, just think about this. Think about you being Sam Darnold. That teams are your you your fan base is hoping you stink. <laughs> so we can get your replacement. How you think that how you think you feel playing under conditions like that? Yeah, it's a business. We get it. But just think about that. This is your home team. Your fans. Please mess up. Mess up. Mess up. <laughs> come on, throw that pick. Come on, come on. You root for him to lose. <laughs> it's crazy. It's been crazy. ESPN New York tonight has <laughs> Jake the Snake. We've got a nice TV theme. Throwdown bracket coming up. I heard, and I'm excited. Who came up with that great name? Well, hold on while I straighten my arm to pat myself in the back. <laughs> ah, I got lucky. I got lucky. Well, it's a great name, and I see people on social media. The callers have been calling in all week. They're excited for this tournament. We've we had. <laughs> I've been doing this a long time, and I got to say, I'm going to call his name because he's been calling me forever, and that's Bruce from Flushing. Bruce from Flushing has been calling me for a long time, and I didn't know Bruce could sing until Bruce sung the Gigantor cartoon theme song from the 60s on the air. Well, I was there that night. I heard him sing too. I don't know if I want to hear him sing again. He's a great guy, but uh, the Gigantor theme song, I'm not sure if it'll make the cut for the top 64. Well, I think as as a couple of other callers mentioned, we might have to have a separate category for cartoon themes. I don't think you can put that. I don't think it's fair. <laughs> I don't think you can put them in. There's so many like really good cartoon theme songs, especially from back in the day, uh, that you know they would rival some TV theme songs. So I think they may we may have to you know have a have a discussion and move them over for uh, you know their own area, but there's some really classic theme songs. So we, we invite you to send us your thoughts at hardest to ESPN at Gordon Damer, write them in, send them down and give us your thoughts on some of the classic TV theme songs that you can think of that you remember that just jump out at you. And there are just so, so many, as you mentioned And the folks on social media, I mean, Jake, they, they're sending in like eight, nine, different songs i know i saw people sending in lists but the funniest thing is even though we're doing 64 different theme songs you know there's going to be someone on twitter that says what about this one or what about that one there's always someone that's never happy that's right absolutely but that's what makes it fun 
You know, there's always one, and there's always going to be somebody left out that, like you said, that people just go up and say, how could you leave that one out? Like Bruce, who started this, is like, unless you have the Beretta theme in there, sung by Sammy Davis Jr., the Beretta theme song from the 70s, it's not, it's not an official list. And, and I thought I was listening to TMKS, you know, the Michael K show? 255 to 7, Monday through Friday on 98.7, when Don does his list and Michael says, it's not a real list if this is not on there. And, and, the, big, and the big pause when Don says, I thought about it, but it didn't make the list. <laughs> Who are you taking out? <laughs> Who are you taking out? That's right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, speaking of Don LaGreca, he'll anchor our Ranger coverage at 7 p.m. tonight. Rangers tonight on 98.7 ESPN at 7.30. Let's go back to the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Allen's in Queens. Allen, you're next on 98.7. How are you doing? I think the uh, Jets can focus on um, Devontae Smith, Max Jones, and Najee Harris. Three guys from Alabama, top five in Heisman voting. Yeah, well, I tell you, um, Alan, that's not bad. Thanks for the phone call. And and especially, see, and it's funny because <laughs> the list is going to continue to flip-flop as far as quarterbacks, right? Mac Jones' name is moving up, moving up quickly. And what's happening is Fields, you're not hearing Justin Fields' name at all. You're hearing a lot of Zach, lot of Zach Wilson, lots of Zach, Zach Wilson's like, you know, just climbing the charts, right? A lot of Zach Wilson, a lot of Zach Wilson. But, um, you know, and I think it was Mel Kuyper Jr. who said last week on one of the shows I was listening to, he's all over the place. It was one of the shows I was listening to, that he said that he thought Mac Jones had some Tom Brady in him. But he was quick to say, I'm not saying he's Brady. (laughs) But there's some Tom Brady-like traits the scary thing for me about Zach Wilson, I understand. Listen, he had a very good year, very good year, and he had he doesn't have a lot of talent around him. And you would say, okay, Justin Fields has more talent. It's like Haskins, who's in Pittsburgh, who I forgot about. And thanks for the call that called in. I forgot that he was there. Rudolph is not the backup now. Haskins is going to be the backup to Ben Roethlisberger. But it's like Haskins at Ohio State. And you look at him and you look at the amount of touchdowns and you look at the receivers he had and, you know, he was great, great. Had a difficult transition to the pros. And so when you look at Justin Fields, you're saying, okay, from a from a weapon standpoint, he had better weapons than Wilson. From a schedule standpoint, though, I would say that his schedule was tougher than BYU. Now, can I hold that against Zach Wilson? I mean, not that Zach sits down with the coach and says, all right, here's the teams who I want to play against. (laughs) I mean, that's not what happens. But it is a consideration. And when you look, Wilson had really a very good season. But I don't know, and he had a great – listen, if you were going to come out and declare yourself eligible for the NFL, that would be the season that you would come out and declare yourself eligible for the NFL after the season he had. My concern about him is, and, and we've talked about it a lot, he looks, uh, he looks a little shorter than what I'm, I'm comfortable with. I, I, I like my quarterbacks to be at least 6'3". Call me, you know, crazy. But that's what I like. I like guys that can see over the line of scrimmage. I'm not trying to get guys throwing into – and listen, Drew Brees has been phenomenal. Phenomenal quarterback. Phenomenal. Okay? Hall of Famer. All right, Super Bowl champion, got a really good resume. 
but I'm I don't want to be in the situation where I've got my quarterback to throw through lanes. Okay, we got to have this lane for the quarterback to throw. Russell Wilson, phenomenal quarterback, Super Bowl winner. All right, I like my quarter, and Zach Wilson looks shorter than the height he is to me. I need I like a quarterback that can see over the line, that can get the ball down the field. Okay, so I'm I'm I respect what Wilson has done. Can't take that away from him. But I'm I'm just telling you, for me, I'm more of a fields guy. Cause I like, you know, I like the, the, the height and I like the pocket. I like his ability and his speed. I like his ability to move around in the pocket and extend plays. Wilson extends plays too. But I think Fields is just a little bit better at doing that. Now, all the scouts say that Wilson processes the information from his defenses faster than, than what Fields does. That's a major consideration because both of them are going to see defenses in the National Football League that they have never seen before. Never. I mean, Belichick alone is going to give them stuff they've never seen. Ever. With all the preparation they're going to do. So processing information, okay, is very, very important to make sure that you don't turn the football over. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of intangibles. But once again, if you have a smart young man who's going to do the work, stay after practice, watch as much video as they can, they can be coached up to and they can be coached up to see the differences and the mistakes, A, and B, you put them in a position that they don't have to process so much information so quickly, and then you give them more and more information as they are able to, to you know, uh, understand what, you're say, what they're seeing, and then you can give them more. So that expands them. All right? That's what it's about. No quarterback comes into the National Football League knowing everything. They all have come in to see things that they don't, they've never seen before. All of them. Because it's a different, the speed is different, the athletes are different, and the caliber of athlete that you face every week is at an elite level based on what you faced in college. Even Alabama. <laughs> yep, even Alabama. Back to the phones we go at 1-800-919-3776. Let's talk to Carrie in North Salem. Hey, Carrie, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how you doing? Thanks Good. for taking my call. You got it. Listening to you talking about classic opening songs for shows brought back an old memory. I'm a pediatrician almost 40 years, and uh, back in the mid-'80s when I was a senior resident, one morning we were running uh, rounds, work rounds, with, you know, me, three residents, a couple of medical students, and an old New York City hospital with four bedded rooms. And as we step up to one bed at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning, the Brady Bunch comes on, <laughs> and round ceases, and this entire group of young adults just belts out the entire Brady Bunch song, Wow. And the look on the four-year-old in the bed was just priceless. Like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> it just it, it, It's always been a fun memory for me, and I really got to get brought it back when you started that conversation. Yeah, Carrie. You know, it's funny because then you it's it's um, especially for young kids, like you said, who don't know what you're talking about, and you're like, they, they had to be like, what what is this, and who and who are these people you're talking about? 
<laughs> Who is Jan Brady? <laughs> Thanks for the phone call, Gary. Thank you. 1-800-919-3776. Theo is in Beth Page. Hey, Theo, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Thanks for the call. I love your show. Thank you, sir. Hey, you know, uh, Larry, I, um, you know, before you came back on, I heard the commercial, uh, you know, uh, with Greenies. Uh, assessment about the Sam Darnold situation mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, giving him another year. I, I've been preaching this for at the better part of the last year. Uh, you know, you have a new coaching staff coming in. You have, you know, this kid has shown, you know, a, a, a talent. Uh, uh, he's a, he's a great person. Uh, you know, why would we spend a number two pick with that we can get a King's ransom for without being able to at least give Sam the opportunity, surround him with some talent. Look at Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. He loses his offensive line and he's pedestrian. Mm-hmm. Okay. Imagine what Sam Donald can do with, a, you know, with an adequate offensive line and a couple of people to throw to. I believe in this kid. Theo, and that is... What do you think about that? Well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. Thanks for the phone call. And that's the issue that the Jets face. Here's the other side, though. The other side is neither one... Uh, Joe Douglas didn't draft him, so he doesn't owe him anything. Robert Sala didn't coach him. He doesn't owe him anything. And if you are a new head coach, are you going to come in and say... All right, if I do A, B, and C, it should work for Darnold. And he said all the right things. He said, I prepared for him. I watched him on video. Obviously, you remember they played Frisco earlier this year, so he's seen Sam Darnold up close. He talked about uh, LaFleur, who's coming in as the offensive coordinator, and they believe, this is what Salah said, that they've got the best offense that could work for a quarterback like Sam Darnold. Okay? So, Ultimately, it's going to, they're going to have to make a decision. And Theo, a lot of people in the Jets feel the same way you do about Sam Darnold. They love him. They love that he's been a stand-up guy. They love him. Here's the issue, though. I know what you're saying about putting people around him. And in theory, you're right. The offensive line has not been great. There's no question about that. But if he is just marginally better, okay, marginally better. Let's say they get to six wins, seven wins. Let's say they they go eight and eight, okay, which is is a tremendous improvement from two and 14 to go to eight and eight. That's great. But then you're not – if you're not sure and you say, okay, let's roll the dice on him and we'll make a decision after this year, Hopefully, you will never be in the spot you're in right now, which is needing, which is being number two in the draft. You hope to never be there again, Theo. You don't want to be there again. Do you roll the dice there because of where you are and take a quarterback, which does a couple of things for you? One, it resets your time period as to how much you have to pay that quarterback. Two, everybody's on the same footing. 
You've got the new head coach. You've got the young quarterback. They come in together. They grow together. And once again, what makes this tough is the fact that Sam has not gone one way or the other where you could say he's not great or he's really good. So it's it's a tough situation. It really is. And the money is going to play a role. The money may play more of a role than what's around him. And I don't know whether that's fair or not, but that's just the way it is. That may play more of a role because of the fact you have to make a decision about paying this kid. And yeah, but number two, you're right. You could get you could get a number of different picks, a number, hopefully a number of, of picks to move down in the first round, get who you want, and still have even more picks to supplement your franchise. Yes, absolutely. And picks are important as far as future trades and to face to give your team some depth because that's where teams get depth from. It's from your draft choices. And hopefully they get better and better in the versatility. And, and what you hope is that the draft choices you bring in, the depth, the distance between them as the backup and your starters are not enormous. Like, as you mentioned, it was for Kansas City on the back, the backups of their offensive line, which were just awful, facing an elite defense. Now, if they were facing just any other defense, they might have been okay. They might have gotten the job done. But you were facing a Tampa defense that gets pressure without the blitz, even though they love the blitz <laughs> because of the speed of their linebackers, because of the pressure their front four puts on you. JPP has had a rebirth in Tampa. So against maybe seven or eight other teams in the NFL, Mahomes would have been okay behind that offensive line. But facing that defense, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Tony's in Monroe. Hey, Tony, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, what's going on? I've been a Jet fan for a long, long time. And, you know, the Jets always seem to screw up choosing a quarterback. <laughs> We could have had the show on the last, last time when he was available when he first came out of college. Yep. We could have gone on and on. Go back to uh, we can go all the way back to the Jets taking Kenny O'Brien before. Uh, Dan Marino. You know, so, mm-hmm. so my my point to you, I'm I'm with you. I believe Justin Fields is the right choice. He's got that height, and if you're going to bring that scheme from from uh, San Francisco over to New York, you're going to start with a quarterback that can throw the ball, who can actually stay in the pocket, and knows what to do. And he can learn as he's going along with this new program. And uh, on top of that, the one thing that I, I, I do find, I think the Jets are going to be more defensive-minded than we think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to help a long way to, to helping uh, Justin Fields when he comes to the Jets. Now, also, if you can trade Sam Darnold for more of a pick, I thought maybe the Jets could switch places with Atlanta if Atlanta is interested in, in taking Zach, uh, Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Jets can go to four. They can draft Fields and then actually get another pick from Atlanta as well as trading Darnold. So you can still stock up. You're going to have a good quarterback. You're going to have somebody that's, that's flexible in any, any, any form in which you choose to play. And like you said, he's a total quarterback, and I think he showed us something when he played against Clemson, how tough this kid is. Mm-hmm. So to me, that makes the most sense in the world. I think the Jets should absolutely do that, but knowing the Jets, we won't. <laughs> and the Jets will probably get Zach Wilson. So, I don't know. 
I'm, I'm with you, like I said, with Justin Wilson. All right, Tony. Thanks for checking in, my friend. (laughs) Come on, Jet fans. Give your team a break. It's a different, it's a different situation. Okay? It's new, it's different folks. All right, let's let's give the folks a chance. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.